Hello and welcome to episode number 60 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is October 9th, 2017. I am Rollo McFlugel and with me is Slappy Jones 2 and we are both of McFlugel.com. The show notes page for this episode is McFlugel.com slash 60. Well, I think this will have a lot of links to stuff in the show notes page, so... Good. Be sure to check over, uh, go over to mcflugel.com slash 60 to check out all that stuff. So with that, I'm going to pass it over to Slappy, and he's going to introduce our topic for this episode. Cool. So thank you, Rallo. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As you know, we like to kind of uh, target our episodes toward people kind of learning libertarianism, just getting into it. This one's a little more inside baseball kind of stuff, but I think you will enjoy it either way. Um, earlier today, the Cato Institute tweeted out a tweet, which uh, was a little bit of clickbait for sure, but the, que- the, the, the tweet says, quote, if hashtag taxation is theft, in parentheses, and, and it is, does it follow that we must abolish all taxation? Not necessarily, dot, dot, dot. Then links to an article written by Michael Humer uh, entitled, is taxation theft, and that is on libertarianism.org, which is a Cato Institute website. So, for people who might not know who Michael Humer is, um, and, and really, when you look at that, and when you look at this, it looks like this is an argument for some taxation is okay. Um, but, Rollo, who is Michael Humer? He is a professor at the University of Colorado Boulder campus. And he is an ethicist um, and has, and he's also a libertarian anarchist and has written a very, very good book that I know we, we you like to gush over a lot called The Problem of Political Authority, where in the first half of the book, he smashes basically any argument that you will ever hear in favor of the state um, and, and makes their arguments for them very well. Well, so you're, you're reading the book and, and you're like, oh, wow, this is this maybe you can actually kind of got some people here. And then he just smashes it. Second half of the book explains how a, uh, a society without government would function. Yeah, let me add something to that, because uh, the subtitle of the book is called The Problem of Political Authority. And the subtitle is an, an examination of the right to coerce and the duty to obey. And he smashes both of them in the book. In fact, this was a book and I don't remember when it came out. Was it 2012? I was going to say 2011 or 2012, somewhere, somewhere around there. Yeah, it was somewhere around there. And at the time, I had been pretty convinced that ANCAP is the way to go. I didn't have all the answers for everything, and there were some tough questions. And reading this book smashed anything that was holding me back. I mean, this put me over the edge. It's a fantastic book, and you should all go read it if you want and, to find out who Michael Humer yeah, is. Yeah, and the great and thing is it's, it's not super technical. So, like, anyone at in any level can read it. Yeah, this guy's – he's a professional philosopher. He can write at a very high level. A lot of stuff he writes – he did something on infinity and the concept of infinity, which is just way over my head. It's not something I'm into, and it's very technical, very deep, and you have to really concentrate to read it. Um, this is written for people like me. This is a great book. It's very easy to read, and anyone could pick it up. It's a book that I recommend to people to learn about anarchy and how it could work in in the world today he's not even talking about at some future time he lays out a scenario how we could have this working now right and he uses something a little bit and i don't know if i'm jumping ahead of, of how you wanted to 
go about presenting his ideas and everything, but he uses uh, something called ethical intuitionism, uh, which is kind of kind of similar. He, he uses he, he takes a lot of ideas that that are normal for libertarian ideas, like uh, the deontological consequentialist ideas. Um, but as you were saying before, you know, we started the episode. He's a philosopher. So he, when he's going to present an argument, he wants to make sure that it is absolutely rock solid. Um, he rejects uh, an axiomatic nature of the non-aggression principle. So that does not mean that he rejects the non-aggression principle. It does not mean that, like, well, I don't want to speak for him. Uh, I'll speak for myself. I agree with Michael Humer on the moral intuitionism thing. Uh, I agree that the non-aggression principle is not axiomatic and it is not sufficient to answer every sort of ethical situation. It doesn't mean I don't approve of the non-aggression principle. I don't like it or I don't think it's, it's one of the bedrock principles of libertarianism. I mean, you can go through, you know, however many articles and podcasts we've written and uh, given that, you know, we try to adhere to the non-aggression principle and advocate for it. I think it was episode 45, which is linked in the show notes page. We talk a little bit about the non-aggression principle, getting a little more depth into it. Um, so that's there to listen to for, for more information on how we think about it. Um, but there's something more because there's some certain uh, scenarios that can get put out. And this is what, you know, critics of libertarianism try to do when you say, oh, it's, it's always wrong uh, to aggress against someone or, or threaten aggression against someone. Well, they'll, they'll lay out a scenario where it's kind of obvious that um, the intuition by uh, basically everyone is to commit some aggression. Um, I linked in the show notes page in the text explaining the episode um, – a little comic that I made a while ago, one of my Crispin and Namgurk comics where there's an alien and he says, you know, you and pointing at someone, you flick that guy in the ear or else I'm going to vaporize your planet. And the caption said, you know, out of the billion people, you know, however billions of people in the world that exist, of course, the alien had to pick this guy who just moments before learned about the non-aggression principle. So right there, we can say, under normal circumstances, it is wrong, it is aggression, to flick someone in the ear. Um, but in order to prevent the planet getting from uh, getting vaporized and everyone dying, yeah, you'd be justified in, in violating that guy's right and flicking him in the ear. Right, it's, it's, it's important. Event, but it just is, it's proving the point. And it's important to say it's still a violation. It doesn't mean it's no longer a violation of the guy's rights. It still is. Right, we're not, and, and we're not saying that Theft or aggressing doesn't violate the non-aggression principle. It absolutely does. But there's all sorts of things that violate the non-aggression principle pay with. And I, I, I almost forgot. That's a point I want to bring up. Um, something like any like punishment in prisons um, that doesn't that, that forces someone like so, okay, so there's a crime that's committed, and you know the crime is committed. And the guy at that point, after he's caught and everything, he's no longer a threat. To lock him in a cage is a violation of non-aggression principle. Um, 
that you know prima facie you know no other circumstances being uh being in play just saying like okay you you stole from me i'm gonna lock you in a cage um then because the non-aggression principle you know we should be clear on on what the non-aggression principle says it says what you cannot do to someone who is peaceful um so it it allows you to defend yourself to prevent um violence against you but once once there's no threat of violence anymore I'm not sure that, you know, fighting back or, or trying to, to get restitution isn't a violation of the non-aggression principle. I know that's something that, you know, a lot of people would argue, and that's fine. With, we can have that debate. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Do you want my thoughts? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you. I, I, yeah, I think it, 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 at least it's not it's a little bit murky on what the, uh, yeah, for sure. And I think you have to look at individual scenarios and all that. And you can always find a case here where you're like, Oh, well maybe you should, but and there's even more clear cases um, or more obvious ones um, like with dealing with kids. I don't have any kids, uh, but you have, you've got a few. Um, Your kids always want to go to bed when it's time to go to bed. Kids don't want to do anything. I tell them to do or ask them to do for that matter. Do you pick them up? And physically remove them from the living room and put them in their beds. Guilty. So, you're, isn't that a violation of non-aggression principle? I did violate the rights for sure. Right. And Walter Block makes this argument. I think he was he uh, debating. Although with I guess it's my, they're in my property. That's true, but they didn't ask to be. <laughs> That's also true. Um, I think it was was it Walter Block gave a, gave a similar. Uh, thing with uh, when he was debating well, stuff he was debating about the urinal yes I yeah, think well, you I think I heard this from you so I, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. I mean I, it was a while it's been a while since I listened to it but Stefan Molyneux was trying to argue that children have a higher moral standard and Walter Block said no they have a lower moral standard and the reason it's lower is because you can use aggression against them to do certain things and he bought the example of his son was too short to use the urinal so his penis was leaning up against the urinal so he picked him up against his the kid didn't want to be picked up but he did it anyway and he says that he is justified in doing that and Stefan Molyneux didn't disagree but still said they're a higher moral standard um but basically so I think Brock was arguing that it is acceptable to violate the non-aggression principle in that scenario to help the kid pee in the urinal right um and and it just it's one of those things where it just kind of, for lack of a better way of saying it, just kind of makes sense that that's what you would do. I mean, you're not. No one would think that by picking the kid up and keeping him from touching something that's pretty nasty that you're hurting him because the kid doesn't understand. Right. But just because someone doesn't understand something or you're trying to do something that's better for him does not mean you get to uh, violate their rights necessarily. Um, except in in this case. Right. Or in, in cases like this. In cases. And that's where the ethical intuitionism kind of comes in, I think. Right. So let's let's take it. Um, well, let's look at his article. Is that where you're going to go? Or yeah, no? let's look at his article. Yeah, because I, I have I have another example to give. Um, okay. Well, I, I, yeah, we I can, kind we can of think. The article first. Yeah, I think we should talk about the article because I think most people who are complaining about the tweet either didn't read the article or didn't really understand the article or, or where humor's coming from. And, you know, 
like you said earlier, he's a professional philosopher. He makes sure his arguments are airtight every time he puts them out. There's no little, there's no, there's a lot, <laughs> there's no glossing over something or accepting something on the face unless he says he's doing that. Um, right. And to be clear, um, and when I said throughout, throughout the article, humor says that like most of the article is him explaining why taxation is theft. Right. I'm just going to read the first paragraph sure. just to, so we can throw out the example he starts with. And it says, quote, imagine that I have founded a charity organization that helps the poor, but not enough people are voluntarily contributing to my charity. So many of the poor remain hungry. I decide to solve the problem by approaching well-off people on the street, pointing a gun at them and demanding their money. I funnel the money into my charity and the poor are fed and closed at last. In this scenario, I would be called a thief. Why? The answer seems to be because I'm taking other people's property without their consent. And he goes on, he says, basically, it doesn't matter. This fact is not altered by what I do with the money after taking it. You wouldn't say, oh, I gave the money to the poor. In that case, taking people's property without consent wasn't theft after all. No, it's still theft. Even if it was beneficial to some people, you still stole the money. Right. And so um, I, I, I'm going to jump to, because I know someone else had this objection. Okay. I've, I've seen people object to this. He says, you know, you would be justified in stealing a, because uh, he, well, he makes the claim that um, taxation is theft, but some theft might be justified. And that's the other thing. He says might be justified. Um, so I, I, it's, it's, it's a small kind of thing. It's, it's one word, but I think he uses that word carefully. Yes. Um, because every situation is different and every situation, you know, has to be the, the details of it has to be examined very thoroughly. If you're going to say, if you're going to go against, um, cause we can say as a general rule that's, and this is very uncontroversial across all political, uh, views and, and all cultures and everything else that, you know, theft is wrong. Um, so it, there's a lot of, uh, um, what's it called? Burden of proof to say, actually, this, this theft is justified right here. Um, but he says that, you know, you have to have a, a very good reason in order for this theft to be justified. Um, so I think it's unfair to assume that that very good reason is not a very good reason. Like that he's making the claim that, Oh, it's, well, I want to give free healthcare to people. Like it, it, it's a little bit uh, better thought out than that. So he gives the example of, uh, um, are you justified in stealing a loaf of bread so that you don't starve? And he says, yes. And that's people don't, you know, I know people say that you're not justified in doing that. I don't know if they mean that they're saying, because I don't know. It's still a violation of the non-aggression principle. Right. I don't know if people mean to say, when they say it's not justified, is they mean that it's, that it's still theft, which is true. It's still it absolutely theft. No one's arguing against that. But the I don't- Humor isn't arguing against that either. Right. And but how is it better? How is it better to to die than? Right, and I guess if you want to choose that for yourself, that's fine. I mean, if if you're sitting there and you know 
your kid's about to starve to death and your literal only option is to steal a loaf of bread where your kid dies and you know, you say, well, I can't steal. I mean, I guess that's on you. So, well, the other thing about that scenario that humor poses too, is that you have to actually be starving. It's not that someone you can't, it would certainly, no one would consider it justified to steal because someone in the world is starving. Right. Right. Like I can't steal bread because someone somewhere else is starving. That wouldn't make any sense. That would not be justified in any world. Right. Or I can't be one of the reasons from my other actions that someone is starving and then claim that, oh, I, I can steal from you in order to uh, feed this person. Right. I lock well, a kid about, in my how, basement and then go steal from everyone and say, well, I have to save the starving kid. I mean, right. Maybe, you know, maybe the, the other kid. options are I stop, you know, trying to solve all the world's problems and, you know, let other solutions come up. And that's where it comes in. I, I don't know if I'm jumping around too much, but that's where it comes in where he says, you know, we have to hold the state on the same accountability as individuals. And if an individual uh, wouldn't be allowed to steal in order to achieve achieve some end, then the state wouldn't allow to either. Um, so to say that, and, and you were kind of saying this already, to say that you're not, um, that you would be justified to steal a loaf of bread, um, the state would have to be in the same exact circumstances that apply to the individual. So the likelihood of that being the case is like basically zero. So, you know, whether or not you agree that the non-aggression principle is axiomatic or not, um, or that you agree with us on the, the axiomatic nature, the outcome's still the same. We still say that the state is un completely unjustified and that taxation is, you know, wrong. Right. Well, let's, if you don't mind, I'm going to jump kind of to the end of his article. Mm -hmm. um, because he makes the case, he does make a case that sometimes it is justified morally to steal, which we mentioned, like if you're, if you're going to starve. So I'm just going to read the end of this, and, and then I want your opinion of it. So it's part three. So what if taxation is theft? If taxation is theft, does it follow that we must abolish all taxation? Not necessarily. Some thefts might be justified if you have to steal a loaf of bread to survive, then you are justified in doing so. Similarly, the government might be justified in taxing if this is necessary to prevent some terrible outcome, such as a breakdown of social order. Why then does it matter whether taxation is theft? Because although theft can be justified, it is usually unjustified. It is wrong to steal without having a very good reason. What count as good enough reasons beyond the scope of this article? Da, 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 da. So, and you, you, you kind of already mentioned this, but really, and I, I do ask this to ANCAPs. Let's say um, government ended tomorrow. And this is what people throw at us all the time, which I don't believe. And this is why we have to explain how an ANCAP society could work. We have a high burden of proof because status quo is the status quo. And you have to convince people that we don't need it. That's not easy to do. And, and what they often throw at us is then there would be chaos and murder. Well, what if it's true that that would happen if we got rid of taxes? If it was literally true that society ended, then would it be justified to have taxes? So, Raul, do you think that's what humor is trying to say there? Yes. And so part of our job, our job, you know, 
part of our mission or whatever is to explain to people how we could survive without government. And once you can convince people that government isn't needed, it makes it a lot easier to talk about statelessness. Right. And which to humor's great credit is he wrote the second half of his book that we talked about earlier on just that. And I'm saying he's like, well, I'm saying that we, we don't need government and it's unjust or we're saying that government's not justified. It's wrong. It's evil. Yeah, he calls it. It's he immoral. actually says there's no such thing as political authority, legitimate right. political authority. He doesn't believe they have any right to exist. So he spends the second half of the book uh, explaining how an, an anarchist society will work. And I think he does a pretty good job of it. He does. Um, so I have another example. Um, what if you're stealing a tractor. That's not my example. Um, you hear those so crickets? Let's, you got it yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. I'm going <laughs> to present a situation. Your, your kid gets kidnapped. And there's no one else around. No one else sees it. But there's, there's a bike next to you. And you can't run faster than the guy that just grabbed your kid. Um, and there's no other way for you to get your kid except for stealing the bike that's there. It is not your bike. You do not have permission. You, you know you do not have permission to use the bike. There's, let's say there's a sign on it that says, um, under no circumstances can you t use this bike. Um, would you be justified in taking the bike to, you know, catch the guy and get your kid back? Um, I say yes, because I've done it for less, but... Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, clearly, and, and it doesn't matter whether you intend to return the bike because you stole the bike. You violated the bike owner's rights by taking it without his permission. It doesn't matter what you, like, you know, borrow, they, what's the old saying? Borrowing without permission, still stealing. Right. Yeah. So, all right. So I think, I think it's, I think it's fairly uncontroversial to say that if your only option to catch a guy who just kidnapped your kid is to steal a bike that's sitting next to you is justified. I'm going to change the scenario up a little bit. So everything's the same, except you have your bike there and there's also the, the bike that someone else owns that's sitting there, but you like the color of the other person's bike better than yours. Would you be justified in stealing the bike? Is that rhetorical? Well, you can answer it. <laughs> no. Why not? Um, because there's no real need to have that color. Yeah, it, it's not. I mean, it's, that's not that's a not good a good reason. Reason to steal it. Right, and I think people get a little bit hung up on like, well, who gets to decide what what this uh, what this good reason is? But I think it's, and we mentioned the ethical intuitionism is that I think most people can recognize the difference between the need because you have no other option as opposed to it's uh, I don't even know how to say because it it's, I don't want to say even preferable option, just the, like a subjective, purely subjective uh, reason for doing, for doing one thing over the other. Right. And I think society, like we talk about how it would be determined in a free market, in a free society. Well, you know, there it's, conceivable that there'd be some communities that don't tolerate any theft for any reason whatsoever. Uh, but I don't think that would happen in most places. Like the first example you said where it was saving a child, I'm sure if the owner of the bike got angry and 
demanded you be held, you know, for restitution in some way for inconveniencing that person for not having their bike. Even after you explain that, you know, your kid just got kidnapped, he was going to be tortured and killed, and you had to get the bike to stop him. The guy said, I don't care, you stole my bike. I think society would figure that out, and we would have courts to determine that. Right. I think I think a lot of it would be insurance. I mean, if you had, mm-hmm. if you wrecked his bike in the process of getting your kid back, um, like like we said, you still stole his bike. And you still wrecked the bike, and right. Uh, I I guess you could even if you it, just inconvenienced him and he was late for work or something right. like that's. I mean, you you responsible put, for that. You, you could. I think it's it's um, reasonable to put the burden on the on the kidnapper. Certainly, but one important point that Michael Humer makes is it doesn't he, he, he doesn't even talk about that. He, he doesn't care about what you do. After, I mean, he does, but the point in his argument is to say it was justified to steal it. Whether you – what happens afterwards doesn't matter. The act, he's talking about the act of taking the bike. Is it justified to save your kid who was just kidnapped? And he says yes. Right. What you have to do afterwards is a different discussion. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's – and yeah, that's, that's fine. So just because you – Right, just because you make restitution or you pay them or you even pay them a million dollars after the fact doesn't change the fact that you took the bike and doesn't well, change the morality of taking the bike. I mean, that's that's one of the ways people try to – I mean, people argue the uh, the hypotheticals all the time, like the cabin in the woods thing where, oh, uh, no one's home. Would you steal steal the food in the cabin in order to survive? And they say, well, I would, I would send money back. It's like, well, so what? You still that doesn't stole. have anything to do with the stealing. Yeah. Um, and, and another quick example is, is as a literal lifeboat example is that you're, you know, let's say Slappy and I are in a lifeboat by no fault of either of ours, our boat sank or in this, in this lifeboat and it springs a leak and we've got two buckets and in order for us to survive, um, we both have to bail water. And if only one of us bails water, then we both drown. And let's say that for whatever reason, Slappy says that he doesn't want to uh, bail water. He wants to, as Michael Humer said, pray to, I think, Jupiter right. to save him. Um, would I be justified in, in using some threat of force against Slappy to, to get him to bail? Like, you know, fortunately for me, you know, I'm very inti- physically intimidating to, to Slappy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if I puff my chest out a little bit, he's going to, He's going to fall in line and do whatever I say. Probably, yeah. So, you know, and and again, humor argues that it's, you know, there's some intuition to say that, yeah, I mean, to save your life, you'd be justified in forcing Slappy to, to bail water. And he says, well, would I be justified in forcing Slappy to make me a ham sandwich? It's like, No because it doesn't have anything to do with saving our lives from, from bailing the water. So just because you're allowed to use force in one situation to solve a given problem does not mean that you're justified in using it for other things. So the idea that the non-aggression principle is not an axiom does not somehow justify the existence of a state. Um, and anyone who, who argues that is that's absurd because in that life, like a lifeboat scenario justifies the actions taken to get out of that 
you know, horrible situation. It does right. not justify but, anything else. And it doesn't justify you to force other people who aren't there or in other times to do it or to force me to bow out water of your basement or it's only in that specific instance. Right. And, and that's so, why, that's why as, as you get into real life situations with a lot more variables and a lot more people, it's very difficult to drill down and say, this is the only course of action that will come that will have a good solution to it. Um, and there's, and that we know, we definitely know there's no other way because as soon as there's, is that there is some uh, question on whether or not it would work or, you know, or there's other solutions and then, then you can't, the violence can't be justified anymore because you haven't exhausted all other less or nonviolent options. Right. So I don't know. I think we kind of, I think we covered what we wanted to cover. Yeah. Um, if you have any objections, please let us know. Yeah, this is fun because, uh, you know, Hope it's for some conversation. Yeah, because th this one's fun because a lot of people that we normally like fall right in line. Because this got started on, uh, you know, the Twitter, Twitter thing, verse. the Kato. Yeah, the, there's some back and forth going there, and it's fun because people that you know, Slappy and I normally agree basically on everything. On we had a little disagreement here, so it's fun to to go have a back and forth with people that you like. <laughs> sure. Um, I did volunteer Slappy before. Uh, was that aggression? Because I volunteer. I, I know I texted you with this link. It's like, oh, people disagree with with me here. Let's let's talk about this. And then I went ahead and yeah, that was promised the episode. Right you threatened violence if I didn't. But you're here, so you, the fact that you're here only because I was coerced. Yeah, that's true. Um, like I said, you know. I'm, but really, I can't. I, you know, I can't recommend Michael Humer's book enough. I think it's fantastic and everyone should read it. Um, but <clears throat> if you're not into reading, it's about 350 pages or so, right? In that range. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's an easy It's an easy read. read. It's a great it's not, read. It's, but it's not like reading Hayek. No, it's very easy. Um, I actually couldn't put it down. I read it pretty quickly. Um, and I've read it multiple times. But... Um, he also has some YouTube videos that we should link. They're about 45 minutes to an hour. He talks about a lot of stuff in the psychology of the state and, uh, uh, you know, what, what else does he talk about in his videos? I mean, he talks about how the state doesn't even – is an illusion. A political authority is an actual illusion. It's not real. It doesn't exist. He doesn't believe in the state. Yep. He doesn't believe they have any legitimate authority. So I guess my advice is when you see articles and clickbait links – Click them and read them and find out who the author is and where they're coming from. Yeah. As I like to say, everyone needs a sense of humor. But Is that better than my eh, tractor thing? Not much. Oh, well. But it was better. Okay. So, so you got a free market story? Yeah, kind of. Um, I know I, we talk about Amazon all the time. Just... They do offer. Um, now, do you know what? I, I'm changing it up. I just thought of something. Okay. Doing an audible. Um, because we've talked about Amazon so much already. 
But uh, so my uh, my nephew's birthday's next weekend, and uh, my brother and sister in law kind of said like, you know, please no more toys. So I'm the only one in the family that doesn't continue to buy them toys. So what I do is uh, I I get him a silver coin or two, depending on the, on the spot price of silver when it's their birthdays. And uh, I wasn't thinking about it, and so I forgot to buy um, to buy it until like today. And so I went online, went to the place I buy my my silver from, and. You know, shipping and handling takes a little bit of time. It's not like it's Amazon Prime where it comes in two days. But they did offer second-day shipping. So I would have it in time for his birthday. Um, and it cost a lot of money. It was like 20, 20, bu- 20 bucks or something. Um, which, compared to the couple of gold coins I was going to buy, um, was, a lo- was a lot. I could basically, actually, I could, I could buy another, no, it was not gold. I could buy another silver coin for the cost of silver. Yeah. Um, and so I said, eh, no, thanks. Um, because you know, he's turning four and when he opens the silver, he doesn't care about it. I'll get him like a little, like <laughs> since it's around Halloween, I bought him, I was in the, the dollar store or something before I went to the birthday party. I saw this like little rubber or a big rubber, uh, spider. And that ended up being his favorite gift out of everything <laughs> he got. So um, I'll get him like a, a fun little thing like that. But, uh, you know, it's just nice to have that option. And for something like uh, a lot of online stores where it's, it's you know, things are easy to process um, and all that, they can ship things pretty easily. Um, but when you're shipping precious, precious metals, you know, there's a little uh, little – more goes into it and they want to be more secure about it. And the other thing, it took, really the big reason why I didn't actually pull the trigger on the second day shipping was that it requires an adult signature to sign off when they deliver it. You weren't going to um, be home? I, yeah. I have no idea when it's going to get delivered and I didn't want to play the, uh, you know, wait, hoping that it's, that it gets delivered when I'm, when I'm home. So well, the other thing is if you really wanted it, you could pay the money and get it. Like if you had to have it in two days, right. You have the option. You're gonna have to spend more, but mm-hmm. maybe they don't. Maybe it's too hard to process. It's too much of pain, like you said, and they don't want to be doing that on every order. So they make the price a little higher, and that might right. be the what it costs them. I don't know if they're making money on that or not. But yeah, because if they were just using the shipping cost to to bring in extra profit, I mean, we we it's just like any other business. They want volume, so they could. The competitor would say, "Oh, we're not gonna we're not gonna." for lack of a better term, overcharge, if you will, on shipping. Right. So I, I'm pretty confident that the, the price of $20, dollars whatever it was to ship second day is the market price. Yeah, but Not regardless. Where it's selling. But yeah, regardless. Even let's if it's say selling. it costs five bucks and they just say, we don't feel like doing that because we have our system and we do it well and it costs us money to go outside the system. It costs us time. It costs us human resources to move your coins to this whatever 
and we don't want to be doing that and getting orders confused and shipping things incorrectly. So we offer this way, and if you want it, you're gonna to have to pay a little more. Right. There and let's say they let's that. say they charge five hundred bucks, and the other company charged five bucks. But I'm then I decide, hey, <laughs> whether or not I knew the other company only charged five dollars, and I said, yeah, this is worth it for me to spend five hundred dollars for this. Then you chose it was worth it. Right. So it's a wonderful thing. So. With that, before I get tempted to tell another joke about something. Jokes that are not allowable. <laughs> Show notes pages for Google.com <laughs> slash 60. Just not going to touch that. Yeah, we'll say that. No, we won't even see that for like another whole, day. Yeah, I don't. Uh, just, just, let's just end it. You were the one that said, I don't want to even bring this up. I know, let's end it before I go off. Yeah, so... Slappy's not allowed on the show anymore. Show notes page is mcflugel.com slash 60. Uh, you'll find a link to the old podcast episode where we talk about non-aggression principle as well as the, uh, the Michael Humer piece on libertarianism.org that we talk about and some other relevant material as well as links to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and there's a couple other places on social media that you can catch us. And also, very importantly, sign up to our email list that link those links will be there so we've got some cool stuff in store for everyone and we want you to be a part of it yeah so we are working email. on this stuff and we will be releasing some new stuff yep we're gonna keep it real vague yeah <laughs> Just. but we are working on some things and we uh we push it out through our email list so subscribe tell your Absolutely. friends all right thanks for listening we'll catch you next week peace